Yes. Ten more seconds. Clap your hands. Praise with your voices. Awesome. Deliverer. Healer. Baptizer. Awesome. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, bless His name. Bless His name. Healing's happening. Healing's happening. Well, I, I'm just trying to obey the Holy Ghost here, so I turn around and bless somebody with a handshake and a hug and bless them. And I, I'm going to transition here for a little bit. And choir, you can do the same. Keep the Spirit moving in your soul because the Lord wants to take us to another level. Oh, bless His name. Bless His name. Matter of fact, if you can remain standing, let me just go right into the Word, and I will not be lengthy in the Word because I feel the Lord leading me in a little different direction, so I'm not going to be as lengthy as I normally are. But this is about praising God. I've been preaching to you on the sacrifice of praise. And today I want to speak to you about the language and lifestyle of praise. And I'm going to show you what it does. Put on the screen, if you will, Second Samuel, chapter number 6, and verse number 12. And I want you to see an account in the life of King David, where God so anointed him that he praised God in a way that we don't have recorded of him doing prior. Remember when I read this text that the Ark of the Covenant of God in the Old Testament, the days of the temple and the tabernacle, represents the presence of God. And how many of you know when the presence of God is in a place, things happen supernaturally? Like right here today. Say amen. Yeah. We don't have to have the Ark of the Covenant in here That was the Old Testament. Now we have the Holy Spirit everywhere. But the enemies had stolen the Ark of the Covenant. It was in a different location when Israel retained it. But David had built a certain tent for it in the city of David. Where he had his mansion. And he went after it. Verse 12, now it was told King David saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom. And all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, this would be David's wife, who was also Saul's daughter. Michael looking through a window and saw King David leaping and whirling before the Lord. And she despised him in her heart. 
So they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in the place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And when David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord of hosts. Then he distributed among the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, and a cake of raisins. So all the people departed, everyone, to his house. Then David returned to bless his household, and Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, she said this sarcastically, How glorious was the king of Israel today, uncovering himself in the eyes of the maids of his servant, as one base fellow shamelessly uncovers himself. So David said to Michael, It was before the Lord, oh hallelujah, the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of Israel. Before him I will play music before the Lord. And I will even be more undignified than this and will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservant of whom you have spoken, by them I will be held in honor. Therefore Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. It says, be very careful what we say about the move of the Spirit of God. Would you stretch your hands in my direction and would you ask God to help me because he's not finished with this service and I need his energy to follow his will. Father, you are doing miracles in this service. There's a river flowing here, God. And we're getting into the river and it's getting deeper, but it's not going to drown us. Somebody say amen. The river, oh God, is getting such that, Lord, it's up above our knees to our waist and even to our shoulders. And even if our head was submerged, we'd be emerged in the presence of God. So I pray that you'd make us one, God. I pray the miracles, the wonders, the, the signs that we need in our lives, your visitation would just come even more full and richer so that everyone would be one together in praising God and seeing His mighty move in Jesus' name. Amen? And amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Brian, I'll switch to them. Thank you, Jesus. The, the Holy Spirit is just all together, as He does, uh, takes something that I've planned and rearranged it and and so I'm just going to I'm just going to talk to you for a little bit here, and then we're going to celebrate him a, a little bit more. And I, I want to show you that there is power in the sacrifice of praise. And I won't re-preach what I preached last Sunday, but some of you made a sacrifice to get here today. You got up, and the enemy told you at least three, four, or more reasons why you didn't need to come here today. But you had burdens, you had frustrations, you had fears, you have things that are concerning you. You could have stayed home. You could have worried and fret or done something else or distracted. But there was an extra tug of the Lord that you said, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to resist my flesh. I'm going to get up. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to drive over. I'm going to go to the house of the Lord. And I want to tell you, God never disappoints. Sacrifice means we offer something up, cost us something to get something in return. And often something better, of course. And here we are today, and we are reading from a text where David is praising God exuberantly, ecstatically. 
He is praising God so much so until he doesn't care a rip whether he is king of all Israel and has a mighty army and has a large mansion and has a lot of wealth and a lot of people to command. God has been so good to him. And God gave him the kingdom. God built him a mansion. God gave him servants and gave him peace over all his enemies. And yet he felt incomplete because the ark of the covenant of God, which represents the power and the presence of God in the people, in the midst of the people, was not in its rightful place. Was not in the tabernacle and the tent that it was supposed to be in giving God the first place. I need to tell you, whenever God is first, He'll take care of everything else in your life. Say amen, somebody. But I was reflecting on this last evening and I thought to myself, how did little, lowly, unknown, uh, one of the regular kids, David, get to this place of elevation to be the king of Israel and to get to be so uh, open and demonstrative in his praise? And I begin to look at his journey and I begin to realize that there are progressions of praises. There are certain levels of praises. We all don't get there at one time, but you start off somewhere. And so the Bible talks about a number of ways to praise God. And as I look at David, I, I can, and I think about his life, I think about why he wanted to praise God so, with such enthusiasm. And I think about it, and I say this, and I don't want it to sound selfish, but I, I am preaching these series of sermons because of the last 30 years. Because of what I've seen God do in this church and in my life and my wife and our ministry. If God had shown me 30 years ago some of the things that I would have to go through and the things that He would call me to do and believe Him for, I do believe I would have probably sat on some things. And we would not be where we are today. I'm standing before you knowing that in 30 years other people have done grander and greater and wonderful things. And I thank God for them. But I know my limitations. I know my limited knowledge, limited skills, limited talents. And when I look back and see what God has done, I can't help but want to join David in just praising God for in spite of all that my frailties are and all of my limitations, the Bible says God, what, what God chooses may seem foolish to the world, but it's wisdom with God. Somebody say amen. When I was 19 years old, I wouldn't have chose myself to become a preacher because I didn't want to stand before people. I didn't know how to communicate with people. I was scared to speak before people. I was not going to choose myself to be a preacher. But I want to tell you, when I look back on what the Lord has done in my life, if I had to do it all over again, and I could make ten times more money and have ten times more notoriety than I have now, I'd go all back over again and say, God, I'd rather be a preacher than anything else in this world because God has never let me down. Somebody praise Him. If you remember the story of David. We find David as a freckle-faced young teenage boy in the pasture watching his father's livestock, the sheep, the goat, the animals. On the occasion where God rejected the first king of Israel, Saul, because Saul deliberately disobeyed God. Saul was to operate in the function of king of Israel, not the function of priest of Israel. And he encroached upon the function of the priest and prophet of Israel, which was Samuel's role. 
and disobeyed God and went ahead and offered sacrifice and did the work of the priest and God rejected Saul. And when God rejected Saul, he told Samuel, I want you to set out to Jesse's house and I'm going to choose one of his boys to succeed Saul. Jesse would be the father of David. He has seven sons. Samuel shows up to the house of Jesse. Now this is unbeknowing to Saul. And, and Samuel takes a horn of oil. I have a bottle of water. But th- back then they would hollow out the horn of an animal like a ram's horn. They would hollow it out and, and, and fill it with oil and somehow cap it. And he went to Jesse's house and he said, The Lord has sent me on a mission here and he wants me to anoint one of your sons to be the next king of Israel. So there were, there were seven sons. David, the youngest, was out in the field, in the pasture, taking care of the sheep, doing what a little, what a teenager would do. And he brings out, Jesse brings out one, two, three, four, five, six of his sons. And Samuel walks up to one and and he doesn't just feel right. He walks up to the next. They look like military kind of material. They look strong. They look strapped. They look intelligent. They have the clothes. They have the appearance. He walks to the second one and the Holy Spirit said, no, this is not the one. He's getting ready to anoint. He thinks maybe this is the third one or the fourth. And he goes all the way to the sixth one and he says, no, no, don't you have another child? Don't you have another son? And Jesse says, come to think of it. I do. Can you be that important in your minds, in your parents' mind? And he's always out in the field. He's throwing rocks or practicing with his slingshot or, or picking on his harp or, or something like that. Thinking, go get him. Go get him and bring him in. And somewhere in the in-between of one of the servants going to get David out in the field and coming back and bringing him with him, the Lord said to Samuel, Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. These six sons of Jesse are outwardly, they look like they could slay a giant. They look like they could lead an army. They look like they could sit on a throne. But I'm not just looking for looks on the outside. I'm looking for, is your heart right? Is your heart pure? Will you praise me when I tell you to? Will you honor me when I tell you to? Will you obey me when I tell you to? Can I get an amen? And those that honor and obey the Lord, even though it looks foolish to other people, are those whom God will use mightily. Samuel comes, uh, pardon me, David comes and Samuel anoints him king of Israel. And from the moment Samuel anoints David as king of Israel, his life goes from one of playing as a teenager to pain. To pain. Because what happens is, As I I look at his life, the next great thing in his life is that Israel is against the Philistines. And they are led by a champion whose name is Goliath. Goliath is nine feet tall. His shield alone, his shield is 125 pounds. His spear is 25 pounds. He is wide, broad, loud. And he represents thousands of Philistines, which are the arch-rivals and enemies of the Israelites. The Israelites have come against the Philistines at a particular battle site where the Israelites are on this mountainside. There's a valley here on the other mountainside. And, and the Philistines' champion, Goliath, says to the Israelites daily, once a day or twice, stands up with his armor-bearer beside him, nine feet tall, bellows through the valley, 
Why should all of us have to fight all of you? Why should this valley be filled with bloodshed? I am the champion of the Philistines. You choose you a champion from your side, Israel. And your champion and I will fight. If your champion, you Israelites, defeat me, then we Philistines will bow down to you and become your slaves and servants and our property will be yours. However, if I defeat your champion, whomever he is, then you folks will become our slaves, our servants, and your possessions will be ours. And every day, Goliath would come out with that threat and it would be so intense and so loud and so nerve-wracking that the Bible says all the Israelite soldiers would run back in their tents and they would hide for fear. David shows up one day bringing some cheese and some other kind of products for his brothers and he hears this thunderous voice of Goliath threatening the people of God and the Holy Spirit anoints him. I wish somebody would say amen. He's just a little, probably 16 years old and he says, he says, who are you, Goliath, to defy the armies of the living God and to curse our God? And I'm paraphrasing. Who do you think you are? And he says, you come to me. David got his sling out because he couldn't wear the armor of Saul. He couldn't wear the shield of Saul. He couldn't use a spear because he wasn't trained in that fighting. All he was was a shepherd boy who had a slingshot. And, and, and when threat showed up, he used the slingshot. Can I get an amen? He, on one occasion, and you know the account, and I won't spend a lot of time. There was a lion that came after one of his sheep. And, and the lion had the sheep in its mouth charging out to consume it. And the anointing of God came on David. And David ran after the lion, knocked him down, tore his mouth open, took the sheep back and restored the animal. Can I get an amen? There was another occasion when a, a bear came out. I'm going to guess that the bear was probably 300 pounds and he came after one of David's sheep. David probably weighed 130 pounds and the anointing, there is something about the anointing of God that when it comes on you, it gives you boldness, it gives you fearlessness, it gives you power to face what you cannot face in your flesh. Amen? The Bible said he overcome the bear with his bare hands and took the sheep back. And my Lord, when he saw that giant, he started on his way from this side of the Israelites. And they're cowing down thinking that he is going to be dead meat in a little bit. And he takes a sling and he starts getting closer. And he says to Goliath, you come with me with, to me with a sword and a shield and a spear in your hand. I'll come to you in the name of the Lord. Goliath says, I'm going to feed your flesh to the bones. He took up David on his way to Goliath. I believe the closer he got, the more speedy he were with swinging, slinging the, uh, and spinning the sling in his hand. And, and when he got closer, he had five stones, but he only needed one. One stone guided by a boy full of faith in God hits the forehead of the giant, knocks him down unconscious. David takes the giant's own sword and cuts off his head and lifts it up and says, this is what is done to those who defy the God of Israel. Somebody help me praise the Lord. And, and so I, I see David and I come to see why he's praising God in our text. Because on the occasion of him doing that, Saul would have difficult times. When Saul found out David killed the, the giant, he put him on staff. 
He put him on his team. I need some. And then he found out David could write songs. He was a psalmist. He found out David could strum on a harp. He was a musician. And so there were times, because Saul was disobedient to God, a spirit of depression would come on Saul. A, spirit, a dark cloud would come on him. And all they would do, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't rest. Anything they would do could not comfort Saul. But when David, off in the distance, would play his harp or sing a psalm unto the Lord, it would soothe Saul. So they realized that they need to get David when Saul is having a bad time. And then David would come in and he would play the harp and he would sing a song. And the spirit of oppression and the spirit of darkness and the spirit of suicide and, and all the other things would leave Saul. And, and I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, it's still the same today. If you get depression and you get down and you get out, have you ever been in a valley of despair? Have you ever cried? Have you ever worried? You don't know where it came from. You were doing good last hour and then this hour, it seemed like your whole world's turned around. Somebody say, man, you have quote scriptures, you have prayed, but every once in a while you need to get you a gospel CD. You need to get you some psalm written to music. You need to get yourself in a bedroom or a back room and you need to just lay yourself down and let the Holy Ghost, oh, somebody say, man. Oh, let it, let the Holy Ghost play you a song and sing you a song and pretty soon the demons of hell has got to go because it's amazing what praising God can do. Let me tell you, David got, he got elevated, anointed by the Lord. But come to find out, Saul found out that God rejected him. And so Saul found out that David was anointed the next king. And when Saul found out that David is going to be the next king, he set out to kill David. On five different occasions, Saul was so mad that God rejected him. Instead of repenting and saying, God, forgive me and I, I, want, to, I want to get it right. And if you chose David, then I'll, sub I'll submit myself to David. Can I get an amen? There's some times when there's a changing of the guard and the rest of us, i got to submit. Can I get an Amen. But instead, he invited David to dinner. And there were, Saul was sitting at the head of the table on one occasion and David at the other end. And the, the spirit of jealousy got so heavy on Saul and the meal was going on, the music had been played, the service had served, the guests were around the table and out of nowhere, Saul reached out and got his javelin and thrust it across the table intending to target David's head or his heart and God caused him to, to move, and he spared his life. And of course, obviously, David runs for his life because that begins a journey where Saul wants to murder him. You know, if you invite me to dinner and pull that on me, I'll think, well, maybe I'm not welcome here. And, and Saul would spend months at a time, instead of chasing the enemy of Israel... Fixing the economy of Israel, helping the poor of Israel, doing the kingly duty. He would spend his time chasing after his would-be successor when God had already anointed him. Don't waste your time, brothers and sisters, chasing after stuff. If God said wait, or if God says I got a plan for you, another plan for you, can I get an amen? 
And the fact of the matter is, on one occasion, oh my goodness, David was out running from Saul. And the Bible says a group of misfits began to gather around him. More groups of misfits began to gather around him. Those who saw were Saul's enemy in Israel. Those who saw mistreated, those who didn't have a good livelihood, those who had didn't good family circumstances. And eventually there was 400 of them. And they came around David because they saw the anointing on him. And they knew that he would be the next king. But they were misfits in the eyes of Saul. And the Bible says on one, they would go out on raids. And they would go out to the enemy's camp. And they would get the livestock and get the goods. And they'd take care of, of themselves. And thus diminish the enemy of Israel. One occasion they were at a place called Ziklag. And they camped out and David and his wives and the men and their wife and children and their livestock and all their properties were at Ziklag. And David and his men went out on a raid and when they came back from the raid, they discovered that their wives were gone, their children were gone, their livestock were gone, their property were gone, and everything that was left was burned to the ground. David and 400 men came back to ashes and smoldering fire and smoke that would suffocate you if you got in the midst of it. And the man probably first thought they burned everything down. They found nobody. So they kidnapped our wives, our children, our livestock. We don't even know who they are. And the Bible says they cried and they wept until they couldn't cry anymore. I don't know if you've been there either. Anybody? Any fellow boohooers? I, I, yeah, I've had my time. Well, I want to tell you something. There's something about a good cry. Yeah, go ahead and say amen. Because I do believe tears are a language that God understands. The Bible says in the book of Psalms that God bottles up our tears. And He understands them. Can I get an amen? And these 400 guys and David, they cried and cried until they couldn't cry anymore. What are we going to do? Who took our wives, our children? Are they going to murder them? Have they, what, what are we going to weave in out? We already are misfits. And then you know when you're down, the devil takes advantage of you. He, he, he don't want you to praise God when you're up, and he certainly don't want to praise God when you're down. When you're down and you're out and you, 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 you've lost hope and the doctor says the x-rays look like the situation is malignant, and the banker says that uh, you're going to have to go in foreclosure and in six weeks you're going to have to move out. You're already down. You're already down because your children or your, so somebody in your family are acting in a negative and a, a way that is uh, uh, unbecoming them and a discredit to your family. You're already down. You're already down because instead of getting a raise, you find the company is going to close. You're already down because you maybe applied to this college and didn't get accepted. You're already down because you had plans to start your own business and do and so, and you had to take the money and do something else. And the devil comes in and takes his heel and puts it on your head. You ever been there? I, I, I've been there. Oh, but then it got worse. <laughs> Bad to worse. I feel a whoop glory coming on. The men who David fed and clothed and took care of their families, 400 of them, said, we think we'll kill David. (laughs) Anybody want to be a leader? Do I have any takers? You know, we we see people leading 
in all kind of capacity. I think I could run this company a lot better than so-and-so. I, I remember when I was, a, I was associate pastor and a youth pastor and, and uh, a, a Christian education pastor. I thought, I, I can lead this church. Yeah, I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was going to, see, I came out of college and I wanted to start with the Mount Perrin Church of God. That was the largest church of God to work my way up. They had 10,000 members. I was going to work my way up. I couldn't lead myself out of a wet paper bag. I'm going to tell you something about 30 years. There's a lot of good stories, but there's a lot of painful stories. Sometimes I did not want to be the leader. No, no. One of the presidents had a plaque on his desk that said, the buck stops here. Yeah. And, and sometimes you get credit for a lot of things. Some of it you don't deserve and you get credit. And sometimes you get blamed for a lot of things. And David's getting blamed. Bless God, if we didn't leave Ziklag and didn't follow you over yonder, we'd still have our family. And they talked about killing him. Let's pelt him to death. How would you like followers like that? But friends like that, you don't need no enemies. Amen? But oh, here's what I've learned to do. David encouraged himself in the Lord. Can I get an Amen. Every once in a while, there won't be an email to encourage you. There won't be a text to encourage you. There won't be a phone call to encourage you. Your mama and your wife or your son or your daughter won't be, your encourager and best friend won't be there. But the Holy Ghost will always be there. And if you'll start with a little bit of hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. I may be down, but I'm not out. I may have a bad day, but I'm not out for the count. If you'll start a little fire in your your soul. Pretty soon the Holy Ghost will start fanning the fire. It'll become a flame. And next thing you know the angels of God and the Holy Ghost, you're standing up. You're jumping. You're leaping. You're praising God. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Take your Bibles. Look at Psalm 34. Hurry. It's not going to be on the screen. Psalm 34. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 34. My blessed God. The Holy Ghost showed me in the first service, so I'm going to do it. I, I don't know if David, I don't know if he did this. I don't know. He, this, he did this one time when he was trying to spare his life. He had pretended to be mad, crazy, wacko, to save his life. He was running from Saul and he went to King Abimelech. And he figured if King Abimelech figures out who he is, the next king of Israel, He's going to kill him. So David went to the gate of the king, looking all nasty and smelly and had saliva running down his beard, acting like a crazy man. You know, you got to do what you got to do. Save your neck. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord. And the king didn't kill him. The king let him go. Let me tell you something. These 400 guys... Look, look what happened. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Oh, talk about somebody say continually. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. Verse 4, I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Did anybody hear me? I said, I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Pete is here in the second service, and Pete is my counselor. And, and I had to talk to Pete this week, and Pete is a counselor for the church. 
and I, and I, and I had a difficult week. I'll, I'll just go ahead and tell you. And, and there were some fears coming on me that reminded me about two years ago. I, I, I'm going to just be very transparent. I'm about to celebrate 30 years, and when you know the devil shows up. And I, I want to tell you, there, there were some fears. Come, I didn't know where it was coming from. And I don't know if you've ever been there. But don't, don't you ever mock anybody that's gone through depression and anxiety and panic attack. Don't you ever mock them and make fun of them. Because if you haven't been in the, pardon me, the hell they've been in it. Don't, I don't even wish it on my enemy. But I one day said this. Oh, I sought the Lord. Did you hear me? I, I sought the Lord, verse number 4, and He delivered me from all my fears. They looked to Him and were radiant, and their faces were not ashamed. This is Alan. Verse 6 is Alan. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angels of the Lord encamp around those that fear Him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in God. Oh, fear the Lord, you His saints. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap. Oh, I trust in God. I know He cares for me. Oh, mountain steep on the stormy seas, though billows roll, He keeps my soul. My heavenly Father watches over me. Listen to me. I am 58 years old. I'm not about ready to die. I'm not about ready to go and let the enemy tell me I'm finished and I'm over. I'm going to catch my breath. I'm going to sit down a little while. I'm going to sip a little bit of water. Then I'm going to stand up again. And I'm going to march on in the power of the anointing of praising God. Somebody praise God. Somebody praise God. I want the instrumentalists to come. Sit down a minute. I want, I want the musicians to come. We're going to praise God here. You know what happened? David said, God, what am I going to do? They want to kill me, but I encourage myself in the Lord. Should I go after the enemy that stole our wives, our daughters, our sons, our donkeys, our camels, everything? And will I win? If I go after them, I don't even know where the enemy are. I don't even know if this ragtag bunch will follow me. The Lord says, go and you shall recover all. (laughs) Everybody say, recover all. I don't know what some of you have been through a lot. You have been through a divorce. You have lost your house. Your child has has uh, been involved in situations you didn't want. You, you've, you've, you've been through so a, a loss of a job. You've been through medical situation. And when you thought it couldn't get bad, it got worse. But the Lord says, go to church. Read your Bible. Praise the Lord. Give your offering. Serve in the choir. 
serve in the nursery. Help out with the ushers. Help out with the greeters. Come the Wednesday night. Go and you shall recover all. They went. I said they went. And they took back every single, they got back every animal. They got back every one of their, their children, their spouses. They got back more gold and silver. And the song says, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Well, Satan is... Stand up, everybody. Come on, here we go. Well, I went to the enemy's camp and I took back what he stole from me. Took back what he stole from me. Say! Took back what he stole from me. Well, I went Took back what he stole from me. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. He's under my feet. Satan. Well, Satan. Give it. All right. I got to show you something. You're going to help me preach. I ain't done. Put up the word up here. There are three Hebrew words among seven. That talks about how we ought to praise God. Put up the word for me. The word is todah. This is the kind of praises that David was doing when I read you the text. Okay? He praised God after the giant was slain. He praised God after he came back to Ziklag. And, and then he got, he got back everything taken from him. He praised God after Saul tried to kill him. He wrote many psalms and praised God. But this is his highest praise. The word todah in the Hebrew means, put it up there. Put it up. It's a total act of your will. Somebody say amen. You can will to praise God or you can will to sing gloom, despair, agony on me, deep, dark, depression, excessive misery. That's your choice. The definition of todah is to praise, but it literally means an extension of the hand. It represents an offering of praise, of thanksgiving, a sacrifice to God. We lift up our sacrifice of praise. And you know what the first thing you do when you start praising is confessing to God. You know what you mean by confessing? God, I can't help myself. God, I don't know how to come out of this depression. I don't know how to come out of this cancer. I confess. Come on. I don't know how to fix my marriage. I don't know how to fix my finances. I don't know what to do about this. this but I confess. I'm surrendering. I'm confessing. Todah. Here's another way David praised the Lord. Give me the next word. And this is what the kind of praise he did when I read it. Yada. Oh, if you don't like Todah, maybe you'll like Yada. I don't know if I'm doing it right, Glenn. I'm trying my best with the Hebrew, buddy. And here's what it means. It means the extending of hands in reverence and worship. Oh, mama, mama, mama. We ain't crazy. The Bible says lift up holy hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Yada is used primarily in a setting for public rituals and worship. 
Do you know there's sometimes when you get a private blessing and you really can't tell everybody your business? But you want to, God's blessed you in a way, but if you go telling them your business, then you're going to tell them your whole history. So sometimes you just praise Him privately in your house, and your car, and in your private place. But when you come to church... And, and you think about, oh, my God, he protected me on the highway. Five seconds later, I would have had a head-on collision. He surprised me in the mail when I didn't expect a refund from the insurance company or even the IRS. I'm getting a bigger refund. Can I get an amen? Oh, and, and, and so there are times when you do, that's what David was doing when he jumped and danced and leaped before the Lord. Here's another word. Give me another word. The another word is, the, the third is the one I want to get to, halal. It means, put it on there, celebrate, glory, exult, sing praises. And this is the part I want you to see. It suggests a sense of foolishness or abandonment in praise. We get the English word hallelujah from the Hebrew word halal. Now, now listen to this. David brought the Ark of the Covenant back from the house of Obed-Edom. He took bands, he took musicians, he took dancers, he took trumpets and stringed instruments. And first of all, the first six or seven steps, they'd start offer a sacrifice. It's a holy thing. One, two, three, four. Carrying the ark now. Stop. Put it down. Another sacrifice. Man, the fire, the Lord. David got so happy, he took off his kingly robe. Had his ephod, which is the... He took... He didn't care a rip whether he owned the whole kingdom. He, was, he got the ark. He said, it's God who caused me to kill the giant. It's God who caused me to kill the lion and the bear. It's God who spared my life five times from Saul. It's God who sent me back into the enemy's camp and got me everything back. It's God who moved me from a shepherd, freckle-faced teenage boy and made me king of Israel. You think I'm going to act like a king? Shucks, no. And he, Oh, my. Is Isaac in this service? Service? Is Isaac in the service? Where's Mike? Mike, where are you? You're dancing over. Come here, Mike. Come. I want you to get ready to dance, man. We're going to start the music in a minute, but you come and get ready to dance. Yeah, Mike is my dancer. I can't dance like Mike, but he can dance. Listen to this. Listen to this. He danced all the way. I mean, he had a sure enough hold down. What is that? I'm not calling you to act you to be stupid when you come to church. I'm not saying that. Everything is decent in order. But we put the brakes on too much. There comes a time when you ought to shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. There comes a time when you ought to clap. Come here, Isaac. I know I'll find you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to do it again to his daddy. I did this in the first service to his daddy, and I'm going to do it again to him. Isaac, Isaac just got leaping, and, and, and just like Mike, dancing and can you see that in a dignified Chad Stafford? Can you see? I can't, I can't see that in Chad. But he got a boy who can. This is his gift, to play the keyboard and sing. I'd rather him stick with the gift because we'd end up laughing at him. Like me. I got two left foot. But I like to move my hands. Okay? Here's what, here's what. Mm. His wife says to him, his wife, Michael, how dare you? Degrade yourself. Act like a foolish man. What do you think the servants are going to think? What do you think the maids are going to think? He said, woman, your daddy tried to kill me. He didn't give me this throne. Can, can I get an amen? It ain't about him. I'm dancing. 
The giant tried to kill me. He didn't give me this throne. It ain't about him. I'm dancing. Come on, somebody help me. The bear and the lion would have killed me if the anointing didn't come on me. It ain't them who gave me this throne. But it's God who took me out of my seven, six brothers, picked me out. Samuel took the horn and anointed my soul. And I am dancing because God's presence is back where it belongs. Come on, praise the Lord. And he said what? He said this. He said, he said, if you think I've embarrassed you now, you wait till later. You think I'm undignified now? You wait. I'm going to even be worse. Because I could care a flying flip. What anybody thinks is God. So we praise Him on the horn. Psalm 150. Put up Psalm 150. Here, here's what we're going to do. Psalm 150. Have we got it? Let all things praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise Him in His mighty firmament. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. We got a saxophone. Do what you did the first service. Oh, we got a horn? Yeah, 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 yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. How, whatever hits you. Oh, man. Are you all ready? That's praise. Do it again. My Lord. I, I, I ain't done. Okay. Put the song back up. Put the song back up. It says, praise Him. With the trumpet, and he just did it. Praise him with the lute and the harp. Oh, so, so we have come to understand that. Let, let, let me even go further. It says, praise him with the lute and harp, meaning the piano. The harp we don't have, but we have the piano. We have the keyboard. And we have the guitar and the strings. Is that what I did the last time with the strings? Go for it. Just whatever. Just whatever comes. That's praise. All by itself. Praise him with the trumpet. Do it again. Good, good, good. That's good. That's good. That's good. Praise him with the saxophone. Everybody stop. Just the saxophone. Just the saxophone. Praise him with the timbrel. What you got over there? Loud. Come on. Just the timbrel. Just the timbrel. Now join him with the trumpet. Do something on the trumpet while he plays that. Whatever you do. Do something with the guitar. Yes, it, it may not make sense. I, do something on the sax. Oh, my, 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 my. Ho, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. Praise him. Praise Him with the loud symbols. I want you. Woo! All right, here we go. Praise Him with the trumpet. Keep, keep playing it. Whatever you do is fine. Guitar. Saxophone. Tambourine. The drum. Come on, on the heart. Yay! 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 Crazy! Okay, hold it, hold it, hold it. 
praise Him with the clashing cymbals. <laughs> Woo! I don't know if I'm going to survive. But what are we going to do? We ain't got no cymbals, saxophone. You, you got something called that everything that has breath. Praise the Lord. Now, just when the Holy Ghost moves on you, Mike, and He moves on you, you just dance. And then I want 50 others of you to don't give a rip and come down here and praise God because this is going to be your healing. I, oh, my Lord. When they start singing, it's all going to You can start right now. Go ahead. Play, sing. Everybody. Everybody. Go ahead. Whatever the Lord needs you. I want to clap a little louder. Come on, raise your hands. Oh, clap your hands. I want to sing a little.